This is a Geek History of Time. Where we connect nerdery to the real world. My name is Ed Blaylock. I am a world history teacher and uh, part-time remedial reading teacher. uh, All of it at a distance here in Northern California. Uh, And um, I recently had uh, one of, I think, several possible peak middle-aged dad moments. uh, Specifically middle-aged white dad moments. Uh, earlier this evening, um, right after dinner, while uh, my wife was washing the dishes, because uh, I do the cooking, she cleans up after. Um, I was in the living room with a cocktail in my hand, my son running around my feet, and uh, we had the soundtrack from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy playing, and I went into full-blown white man overbite mode. Um, I, I, I was, yeah. So I, I don't know how much more middle-aged bourgeois white guy dad you can get than that. But, uh, if anybody had actually seen the air quotes around dancing, I was doing, uh, pretty sure I, I pegged the needle on that. So that's what I have going on. And who, sir, are you? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I am a high school Latin teacher up here in Northern California doing the distance thing. Uh, and I I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't worn socks in three or four months. So it's pretty white guy dad I, thing. That's, that's pretty white guy dad, but that's also yeah. pretty summertime in Northern California and pretty quarantine life. It really thing. is. It really is. So I've saved a yeah. lot on uh, detergent. Um, cause, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty much yeah, well, the same. Yeah. yeah. The volume, so. volume of each load of laundry would be notably different. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it takes a week and a half to get a full load of me and the two kids, uh, as opposed to just a week. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, there so. you go. Yeah. That's all I got. Yeah. So yeah, the fact that I'm yeah. talking about laundry is, is pretty, you know, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty middle-aged dad yeah. going on. So, uh, I, I think, you know, I, I think that's pretty middle-aged uh, Gen X slash millennial dad, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, and that's I, I have a sink full of dishes because I don't have somebody <laughs> to wash up after I cook yeah, well, and I cook every yeah. night. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. so uh, let's see. Last time we talked about the Batman, we did, and we, we did. didn't we get all the way through. I think we stopped what in the forties. In very yeah, early, pretty early on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, during during the war is yeah. really where we where we left off. And uh, of course, you know, my, my thesis was that you know from the character's inception um, up into basically through the war, um, he he embodied. Um, Kind of a kind of an idealized idea of, of what folks in the late 30s and into the 40s in in New York wanted to see from their uh, gentry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he was he was our millionaire fighting against evil millionaires who got where they were through corruption, and you know who was working with with the good authorities against the bad corrupt ones, you know. And and so he was he was this avatar. Simultaneously, he was he was an avatar of uh, the the wonders of of the advancement of science with all of his high tech gadgets and his high tech vehicles and everything. Uh, and um, he he was he was one of the good ones in terms of millionaires. 
kind of kind of both of these things kind of going on at once. Right. And I believe I was picking at the fact that um, he was very waspy. Um, and yes. the people he was taking on were not quite the good whites. Were largely ethnic. Yeah. Yes. And so they got they no. they were crooked because they were of that criminal class of ethnicity. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And and in in the forties, I think there would be debate about how white Italians really even were mm-hmm. in terms of their perception by wider society. Uh, or, or dominant society, I should say. Um, so, you know, but but he also, you know, simultaneously he had, you know, multiple of his villains were, uh, you know, renegade scientists or or you know doctors kind of stuff. So, so there's this definite kind of science angle, science fiction angle to the character mm-hmm. that's there. Um, and then so as as the forties wore on. Uh, you know, he, he of course started out. We talked about uh, how in in the very early episodes, he uh, his his actions range from uh, watching dispassionately as bad guys are killed to doing things that maybe not directly but indirectly lead to the deaths of bad guys. And in in his very earliest incarnation, of course, he did on occasion carry and even use a handgun. Right. Um, and so, you know, for, for the first few years of his existence, he very much was a character of the detective comic book genre. He, he was, he was kind of the bridge between crime comics and superhero comics. Now, and he's also a hero that gets his start before the CCA gets its start. Yes. So that's, that's kind of an important distinction. It's it's a very important distinction that we're going to talk about here in a minute. Oh, good. So, so over the course of the '40s and, and especially after the war, uh, the tone of the comics got much lighter. Mm-hmm. First, it was kind of gradual, and then after the war, there was a conscious movement toward moving, moving already kind of moving away from the noir kind of tone of the original comic to more more like superman you know more more kind of costumed hijinks mm-hmm. and the villains got more cartoonish we we see the mad hatter crazy quilt uh the gentleman ghost and the killer moth mm-hmm. all of whom are uh very arch very you know uh uh, I, I don't want to say they weren't campy at, at the outset, but they, they're, they're definitely very much cartoon-like kind of characters. And all of them show up between the end of the war and the institution of the CCA. Okay, so these, are, these yeah. can be characters that get grandfathered in if you sanitize and soften them quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like the killer yeah. moth can't be the killer moth, but it could be the moth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know... Mad Hatter, you know, is, is taken straight out of, uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland, Lewis right, Carroll, right. you know, and then, and then we look back at, at who his other, other nemeses had been, who his other opponents had been, you know, we have the penguin mm-hmm. who started out being kind of cartoonish, but he was a mob boss. And then right. after the CCA, he gets more cartoonish, you know, right. all of them, all, all, of, all of the, 
after the CCA, kind of what happens is, you know, CCA is, uh, I want to say, 54 off the top of my head. Because mm-hmm. I didn't actually put the date down in my notes, which I should have. But <laughs> which, <laughs> it's, it's our first episode. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've been, I've been stuck at home with a quarantine kid. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of slack here. Um, so, so CCA starts, yeah, and all of that cartoonification accelerates, and it and it winds up kind of retconning, going back to all of the characters that already existed. So, you know, Catwoman gets gets um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Deglammed a little bit. Declawed, you know, if you will, softened. Yeah, declawed. Very good. Yeah. I I kind of wonder if like if all the characters that he ends up fighting, if they don't just dive in further to their theme, because that will automatically cartoonify them, and then you can yes. you know like Penguin's a mob boss, but he really just wants the world to be ruled by penguins. You know, so it's like yeah, okay, yeah. you know that kind of Catwoman. Yeah, like she's. Yeah, he- She's she's cute and she's sexy, but really she wants kitty litter, you know. So like, and then you can kind of come really, away from really, it more. Yeah, really, she she wants to be you know a crazy cat lady and Batman's girlfriend at the same time. You know, like okay. at least they're both mammals, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, yeah. Um, there you go. So, but but yeah, what you do see, and and that's that's a meaningful point that, that you bring up. What you do wind up seeing is the flanderization, mm-hmm. and and I'm stealing that term again, whole whole cloth from TV tropes. You're, you're seeing the the flanderization of basically the whole rogues gallery. Now, for those of us that don't know, flanderization is where you take a character from The you Simpsons take... and then he recites on Flanders Field. Nice, thanks. Nice. No, no, no not so much. Would... I wow! I would be interested to see what Granning would do with that. But um, no, what you do is you take Ned Flanders, okay, who started out as you know he's the next door neighbor, and you know uh, he he and his family are the upright you know milk drinking you know moral majority brigade to right. you know to, to compare to the Simpsons who are you know dysfunctional in every fucking way imaginable. Mm-hmm. And then you take that idea that you know he is a you know, milk drinking, you know, teetotaler, you know, kind of uptight Christian. And you then make that the whole point of him and his entire family. Oh, okay. So you, you so, basically reduce them down to a single facet of yeah. what you'd previously seen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that facet is, is Northern France, the Netherlands. Yeah. 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 That, that yeah. region, uh, one of the bloodiest parts of the Western front. Yes. Right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Fertile soil, yeah. Jackass. Yeah. So what, his name is Ned. Uh, I mean, that's short for Netherlands. You know, now I'm wondering. <laughs> Ned Flanders. Was, yeah. Like a thing on on Granick's part. Son of a bitch. <laughs> See, you think I'm just an idiot and an asshole, but I'm really just an idiot and an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I but every once in a while, I'll have a point. I have. I have never thought you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Never, never <laughs> thought you were an idiot. Well. So, um, so, but when when the CCA shows up, um, you know, because it's you know censor yourselves or we're gonna do it for you, right? Um, that's the point at which we see 
number one, Batman never carries a gun again. Number mm-hmm. two, Batman now hates guns and and like has a stated policy that, you know, he doesn't use them, never will use them. Right. He has and, almost an anti fetish. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he does, really. Yeah. And 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 it is after the the introduction of the CCA mm-hmm. that we see him suddenly draw the very clear moral line that to all of us who know the character after this is like one of his defining characteristics is I will not kill. kiss on the first date. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that too. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, kind of, kind of becomes more of a thing after the TV series in 66. But right. in, anyway, you know, he, he will not, he will not kill. Oh, that too. Yeah. 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 Um, which, which, you know, he, he, <laughs> which, which, which you know, has to be there because of the CCA, and right. it has to be. No, no, he's a hero, so he's he's trying to apprehend all of these guys and bring them to justice, and and you know, like leave them for the cops. Them. Yeah, leave them for the police. Yeah, and and if somebody he's fighting is going to fall off a ledge or whatever, he has to put himself at risk to save them. Mm-hmm. Which, now, that... which is. Dr- change from the very first issue of the comic in sure. which he literally says a fitting end for one of his kind. Sure, sure. You know? I will say though that like you you there's a couple things that happen there. Number one, he's also been Flandersized um yes. by the by virtue of the fact that like, you know, I I don't kill people and and I yeah. I don't use guns. Um covered he is. Yeah. Uh, and then and then on top of that, you also have this how to how to put this like part of the CCA said you can't have cops look incompetent you can't have authorities look incompetent so now he's helping them although he's helping them on things that are above their ability but it's not because they're incompetent and also they're not crooked anymore he's not going after crooked cops or a cop on the take or anything like that so he's he's helping them apprehend things that he has the power to stop and they don't that's what i'm seeing yes yes and so we we start seeing because of that we start seeing the how to put it the metafictional separation of him and the criminals he deals with from what can be handled by normal in quotes authorities Mm -hmm. and so he he becomes superheroic by virtue of the fact that if he wasn't superheroic he'd be dealing with stuff that the police would would be dealing with and if he did that that would cast doubt on their that, capabilities so that would make them look like the keystone cops and we right. can't have that happening right. yeah and so and so what this leads to is is a whole lot of uh, you know, three color comic book kind of silliness mm-hmm. um, so Ace the Bad Hound shows up in 1955 Okay, is this, although at the same time, though, doesn't Superman have a dog at this point, too? Yes, he does. Okay, so everybody had a dog at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody gets a dog. All right. Like, you know, everybody has a ward, which which Batman was the first one. Robin, True. Robin was right. the, as I mentioned in our last episode. Uh, so everybody has a ward to, to, in Batman's case, there's a narrative reason for it. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know why Cap had... had Bucky. A teenager following him around the front in World War II, and an American one at that. He's not a he's <laughs> like, not a detective, right? 
So, so you don't narratively need him to have need to have him recite to somebody. Let me explain to you how I came to this conclusion, so you can see how fucking brilliant I am. Right. You know. So there's like, like, okay, why, why, why did we do this? I kind of want to know. Yeah. You know, but you know, and and part of it could very well be to make this adult character more approachable to a younger audience. You have somebody that the younger audience can identify with. I understand that from a marketing perspective, but mm-hmm. like metafictionally, why? why? Yeah, well, and like, he was, he was, um, what do you call it? Bucky was originally there um, as the boy companion to Cap, like all the way back in Captain America comics number one. Oh, yeah. Like, he was there from the jump, and so it's just kind of... He was part of a group called the uh, the Young Allies. It was this all-kid team, which later on, Rick yeah. Jones is part of, like, a crime-fighting squad that okay. helps the Avengers. Oh, it's really okay. dumb. Okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's really, really weird. Like, there's no real explanation for him being in there. Um, until much later when people start to go, you know, it's a little weird to, to lead a teenager yeah, yeah, kinda, without kinda armor. Why are, you, why are you doing that? Yeah. 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 So. so, so anyway, you know, and, and, and again, it's, there's no, this doesn't really apply to cat, but when we're talking about this kind of stuff, you know, him having a dog and all this stuff, mm-hmm. it's the fifties. I mean, um, in, in a lot of the, um, uh, Facebook groups that I follow for, for those of you who, who don't actually personally know Damien and me, uh, you know, but our, but our listeners. So for like all three of you, um, I, I frequently wear a kilt as, as, you know, as, as just part of my wardrobe. And so I, I am part of a number of kilt groups on Facebook and there is there is an excerpt from a Batman comic from the 50s that shows up regularly in which, for whatever reason, Batman and Robin are, are visiting Scotland on in the course of some investigation or, or adventure of theirs. And uh, Batman and Robin don kilts to attend a dinner party as Batman and Robin rather than Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. Are the kilts part of some sort of dress code or other people dressed in kilts? Um, presumably it's never explicitly stated that, you know, it's required attire, but they do have, there, there is a conversation between the two of them explaining to the comic book audience about, you know, kilts being the traditional garb of the Highlands and, and, you know, uh, the, the tradition, which of course those of us in kilt groups know is a, a, you know, late 18th century, early 19th century invention of, you know, each clan having their own, uh, tartan. Um, and, and, you know, explaining that in, 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 in tones that literally sound like dialogue from the sixties TV series mm-hmm. before the sixties series as they're as they're heading off to this function, and so yeah, um, this this is the kind of stuff that you saw happening in the comics in the fifties. It had been turned into kiddie entertainment mm-hmm. by the CCA because the assumption was the only people reading it were kids and young ones at that, and and young ones at that, mm-hmm. not not fifteen sixteen year olds, but like eight and nine year olds, and so. 
And so the stories that, that get told, you know, reflect that they are, they are, they are costumed hijinks. They are sci-fi, there's sci-fi elements, you know, that, that begin mm-hmm. to predominate really. And of course the sci-fi elements begin to predominate because this is also the dawning of the jet age, the very beginnings of the space age. Sure. You know, and, and so that's all in the zitgeist. And so this, this is the same time period that, it, you know, we're, we're seeing drive-in movies about radioactive bugs and and you know all of all of that kind of kind of stuff going on. You're also seeing um, coming into now. We're talking 50s or 60s here. You said 60s, right? At this point, at this point, I'm talking mostly 50s. We're going to okay, get 50s. into the 60s. I was going to say you're starting to see eccentric millionaires kind of creeping into the uh, zeitgeist as well. Um, Howard okay, Hughes yeah. with the Spruce Goose. Yeah. You know, uh, and you're seeing people with a lot of, and usually by munitions, by the way, like that's usually yeah, right. how they made their bones. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to cross over to Marvel for a second. Yep. Uh, but, um, so you're starting to see eccentric millionaires and you're also starting to see the idea of a playboy showing up and a playboy being an American playboy, not some Italian import playboy. Like Valentino was, like there was there yes. was a swarthiness to Playboy's prior, and it was like, well, that's that Southern European passion, and now it's you can be a wasp and be a Playboy. They still can't oh, move yeah. their hips independently at all, but you know, at least they can. Yeah. <laughs> well, way to tie it into my intro. No like problem. That. Um, but yeah, yeah, and and it's also worth noting that it's. I want to say it's 55 is mm-hmm. the uh, founding of Playboy magazine. Mm-hmm. So yes, that, that term, you know, millionaire playboy, Bruce Wayne, right. Is, is now, now, now has something attached to it that, that is, that is, you know, a, a, a another phenomenon. Yes. Kind of separately and entirely. And for anybody after that, that's going to be attached to that term. You and, know, and, and a so that, 30s millionaire versus a 50s millionaire is a very different kind of millionaire as well. A 30s millionaire oh, yeah. is going to be top hatted out, still wearing like the tux and the uh, the the gloves and the cane and the monocle yeah. and maybe a sash. The 50s millionaire will be a little less dressed. Um, uh, he'll he'll look less like a New Yorker comic, um, mm-hmm. and uh, he'll look more like um, Dagwood, George Hamilton. Yes. He'll look like George Hamilton. Yeah, he'll he'll have he'll have you know a white shirt with some yep. kind of an ascot inside the collar. Yes, kind of kind of puffed up. He'll yes. have a sport coat, probably white pants, mm-hmm. deck shoes. Yep, possibly without socks, depending on season. You know, um, and despite not being Southern European, he's going to have a cultivated tan. Mm-hmm. Well, because this is when uh, mass culture starts really going all in on movie stars, super movie yes. stars now. Because yes. mega stars, yeah, exactly. Rock, Rock Hudson. Mm-hmm. Um, Cary Grant is a bit earlier, but but a little right. bit a little bit there. Tony Curtis. Yes. Wow, Definitely you just named two Tony queer Curtis guys. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who had to cultivate an image of masculinity? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, huh? yeah. I wonder. Yeah. But also, like Charlton Heston, um, yeah, Chuck Heston, Steve Reeves. Like you know, you're starting to see muscle-bound yeah. fellas. You know, in yeah. wrestling, yeah. by the way, you see guys like Jim Laundis, um, who, if you if you ever want to see a handsome-looking fella, 
uh, who looked like a million dollars couldn't wrestle for beans. That's Jim Londis. Uh, yeah, he he was he and he was a huge draw, by the way, an enormous really? draw. Oh yeah, like he's one of the top four draws ever historically, like really? adjusting for inflation. Yeah, nobody and ever he, hears about he, him. He, huh? Yeah, it's remarkable that he could be that big and be lost mm-hmm. entirely. Okay, oh, well, wrestling is a very wow. self cannibalizing world. So. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. All right. So so we're seeing so again in the 50s we have we have this, you know, big time cartoonifying of mm-hmm. of everything in in the bat verse. Um, you know, uh the the plethora of bat gadgets expands dramatically during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 the the tone of all of the comics again and comic books in general this is this is part of what happened in the 50s was all of them got kiddified right and and they, by necessity yeah, yeah yeah and so um so then uh as as time went on you know readership kind of kind of fell off mm-hmm. uh and then in 1966 I, I have to mention the TV show because okay. if we're going to talk about Batman in any kind of cultural context in in the U.S. over over time, mm-hmm. we can't get away from talking about the TV show. You are welcome to talk about the TV show, but I'm covering him later in movies, so okay. it's fine oh, if yeah, we have no. overlap because yeah, oh, yeah. the movie no, gonna, over, gonna, absolutely gonna, overlaps. But yeah, yeah, no, I'm gonna yeah no. It, I just I have to kind of touch on it and kind mm-hmm. of bounce off of it like a trampoline and move on. Sure, sure. So, uh, the TV show debuted on ABC on January twelfth, nineteen sixty six. Ran for three seasons until nineteen sixty eight, and we could I mean if we wanted to we could spend like multiple episodes talking about the influence of the the show and and just what it did as a pop cultural phenomenon. Oh, absolutely. Just, like like the ways in which it affected everything in the comic book space. Oh yeah. Well, and not just the comic book space, but like kids cartoons. Even oh, yeah. though this wasn't a cartoon, like you don't have this, you don't have Scooby Doo. This is true. Yeah. This is very Who by the way had Batman and Robin the cartoons on. Like it's just this yep. nice little bounce yep. back. Yep. But yeah. Yep. Justice League. Yep. So So um what what I think the most important points to bring up for 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 my study here is everything that had happened in the comic book since '54, the TV series took and went. You know what? We're going to run with that and dialed it up to eleven and a half mm-hmm. and ramped up the camp. Oh yeah, yeah. And and the thing is. <sighs> By doing that, it was very countercultural. Yes. Because Batman is the ultimate, uh, or, or up to that point, Batman was the embodiment of, you know, somebody who was who was outside the establishment but working to to uphold the values of the establishment. Yeah. You know, he yeah. was he was you know, the, it, as as I mentioned, he was this idealized idea of what we'd all like a millionaire to be doing with their money, mm-hmm. rather than what they did. This is why you should give them tax breaks. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like if they were all going to do this, like Jeff Bezos, I'm, I'm fucking disappointed in the man. Like mm-hmm. you, you could totally be Batman by now. Dude. Yeah. You, you could, but what are you doing? Yeah. Not that yep. you're not Batman. So like, get it together. Uh, anybody wants to send that message to Jeff Bezos, please do. Feel free. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll care. Um, so, so, you know, if you look at the way he is portrayed, mm-hmm. what I think is really interesting about his portrayal in the series is number one, we're 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 making fun of how square he is. Like like as the audience, we're in on the joke of oh my god, he is such a fucking square. Right, and he's he keeps inhabiting these not square places. Like yes, there's of course the, the gif of him doing the dance. The you know, Batusi. The Batusi, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and you know. and there was one where he talked with Robin about how Robin tried to smoke a cigarette to blend in with a, a street gang and yeah. it gave him away and Batman's like, Well, you know, your lugs aren't used to that because you do the right you know, it was a don't smoke kids moment. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and and super you know, talking about drinking drinking your milk, eating your vegetables, doing your homework. I mm-hmm. mean there was all that kind of stuff involved. So good. And oh yeah, no, it's it's amazing. And the thing is it's it's really clearly way over the top and like you know we're making fun of how square this all is mm-hmm. but at the same time there's actually a certain level on which it's actually earnest and and there is there's there's this this part of the 60s zitgeist that was that really was actually kind of that naive mm-hmm. you know and, and really wanted to have this this you know Dudley do right of the Mounties kind of figure to to believe in mm-hmm and, you know, my, my what I what I got to say here, you know, from a personal standpoint is my exposure to the 1966 TV series mm-hmm. happened in, you know, the 80s when I was six and seven years old in reruns in syndication. Yes. And as a six and seven year old, I didn't get the joke. Well, of course like, not. I mean, I took it like deadly seriously and I that's the dude I wanted to be right there well and we'll add to that the fact that you very likely in your Batman diet at the time there may have been a comic or two I don't know but there definitely was the JLA there were the cartoons and the Batman live action and the Batman cartoon had the same outfit and that same outfit I think really that blue gray and yellow was such a softer palette of the menace that Batman presented previously. His ears were really tiny. His cowl was just, you know, like it it was, you know, it was the cartoon cartoon had more pronounced ears than the TV series. did, did. But you're right. Yes. I think there was just a lot less menace and it, it, I don't want to say it sanitized him, but it certainly made him palatable for children to think that's a really cool hero. Yeah. So of course everything would have been lost on you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Big time. Now, now com- compare that. My, my take on the character mm-hmm. in the TV series to my father's take on the character in the series in 1966. Mm-hmm. My father was a, I want to say by that time he had made Lieutenant. He might've still been a Lieutenant JG in the United States Navy, he was a naval aviator. Mm-hmm. And in 66, I'm trying to remember, he wouldn't have been on Midway Island anymore, but he, he was somewhere in the States, uh, in in the Navy. 
Mm-hmm. And um, he, let's see, in 66, it means he would have been 22 years old. Okay. Um, and he and every other 22-year-old Ensign Lieutenant JG in his squadron had, they didn't call them this, but they essentially had a standing watch party in the ready room to watch Batman. Oh, really? Because it was, it was just such a fucking hoot. Oh, that's great. That, that, you know, they were all there and, and, you know, they all apparently every time, you know, meanwhile at stately Wayne Manor, and it was always stately Wayne Manor. Right. One of the gags and they would always like everybody in the room would say at stately Wayne Manor along with you know it was it was the closest thing a bunch of you know crew cut wearing uh, you know naval officers could get to having their own Rocky Horror Picture Show you know like like yeah and 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 they were they were all there now it, it didn't hurt that of course the TV show was on you know midweek right in the evenings rather than Friday or Saturday night when they were all out, you know, chasing skirts and getting drunk. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was... Hey, while that's was, happening, there's kids getting high in the rec room at their parents' house in the basement watching it too. And yeah. probably all saying, at Stately Wayne Manor between tokes. Yes. It's a because, hugely connective tissue. Yeah, because it was it was this huge cultural event Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody, and by this time, everybody knew who Batman was. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was a big enough character in the Zitgeist that even though, you know, almost nobody was reading the comics anymore, um, everybody like knew who the character was. Everybody, as a kid, had read one or two Batman comic books. Of course. And so here was this character getting turned into this this kind of different character on TV, and and the whole thing was ramped up to 11 and it was all it was it was the closest you can get in live action to truly doing three color comics yeah complete with the the flashcards of pow bam and shit like that like yeah you beat me to it yeah yeah, sorry (laughs) you know well no no it's it's brilliant that you did uh you know and caesar romero in 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 an iconic but totally not out of the comic book, uh, or at least not out of the beginning of the comic book, uh, take on the Joker, you know, portraying the character with with his mustache painted over, right, with with clown makeup because he refused to shave for the role, and they were like, yep. all right, fine, we'll just paint it over. And like you look at him, you can tell he's got a mustache. He's got a stash. Yeah, makeup. You know, um, and and uh, you know the guy that. Um, I want to say Storch. I'm trying to remember the the actor's last name. He also did did a, a one time role on Star Trek. Oh, as, uh, and, Frank Gorshin. You know, Frank Gorshin. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, if you tell you know, me the Gorshin's, villain that he plays, it's easier. Yeah, yeah. That's how we are. You know, like we the, grew up with this. The Riddler. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, Riddler. Yeah. Frank Gorshin. You know, Frank Gorshin. Uh, you know where where uh, you know who who was a stand up comic. Yes. You know. Um. You know, and and Adam West, who playing you know Bruce Wayne and Batman, who who got the role because one of the one of the executives behind the show saw him in a, a quick ad. Okay. Chocolate quick. He oh, he wow. was he was playing a secret agent, Agent Q, in an ad for for chocolate milk, and they were like, no no, 
know that guy. <laughs> we got to give that guy an audition because that's that's the level of no, no, I'm taking this deadly seriously that we need for this character. Sure. Apparently, um, uh, apparently he was the only guy who could who could read his lines with a straight face. Really. In the audition, yeah, oh, that's and, that's, great. and that's what got him. One one rumor is that that was what got <laughs> what got him the role. He, you know, he was, also played you know, uh, Harry Anderson's dad on Night Court, his erstwhile yeah, dad, and he would always. Yeah, and I think he was like crazy or something. Uh, and he'd uh, he, you know, like that's that's what they called it back then, at least. Um, and then he'd say, you know, oh, I got out, and I'm feeling much better now. Feeling much better now. Yeah. Well, okay, wait, hold on. Yeah. Uh, was was that was that him or was that um oh damn it. And now I can't remember uh from the Adams family. That that wasn't Adam 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 West oh, you're didn't, right. didn't play Harry's, Harry's dad. It was No, it was Frank Question. No. Uh no. No, you're right. No, no, you're right. No. Who am I thinking of? God, and I love I love him and I can't remember his name right now. Um, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Now I got. Anyway, you you continue because you're running this. All right. Yeah. No, you you look it up. Yeah. So um, so but yeah, Frank Gorshin, and then you know Catwoman, uh, got played by multiple actresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know most notably John uh, Aston. Well, that's who I was thinking. John Aston. There yes. we go. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, probably most famous to everybody is uh, uh, Eartha Kitt. Yep. You know, playing playing the character with the with the you know uh, trilled R's and the and the completely over the top oh very yeah kind of presentation uh, you know um, and and just you know all of it being so ridiculous yeah and they and they had they had the the standing bit in the show where Batman and Robin had to climb the side of a building nice that you called it a standing bit. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> where 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 they were they were climbing 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 the side of a building. And and as they were climbing, you know, people in the building would open their windows and say things to them. Right. And have and have, you know, brief conversation or something and, and it would be, you know, good night citizen at the end of it, you know, it Right. And 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 so clearly um uh, coming from the same brain space as Rowan and Martin's laugh in. Yes. They'd have, they'd have the bit where, you know, the, the wall would open up and they'd, they'd, you know, tell a bad vaudeville joke and then, you know, stick their head, you know, and then hide. Well, and that always it's had the same, the same, kind of same flavor to me as you can't do that on television when they're in the lockers. Yes. They moose. Yes, Alistair. Yeah. You know, and all yeah. that kind yeah. of stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's same, we we same. might need to do a you can't do that on television episode. We probably do. Yeah, we probably do. We'll need to need to think on that. So okay. So so, so the thing is, yeah, again, climbing up it was, walls. It was a huge. Yeah, and 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 because of these bits, because of you know its its particular tone, it it was taking it was literally taking the fifties era comics and and ramping them up to like beyond eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes all the way up to eleven. Yeah, like not even like beyond that. It's that little push over the cliff. It's that little push right over the cliff. Yeah, right when you need it, you can go up to eleven. Why don't you just make ten louder? These go to eleven. To eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Producer but, George's you know, happy it, now. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> Good. I'm glad he is. So, so, but let's take a look at what was happening in the world uh-huh. uh, in, in 65 and 66. Oh, it was a really peaceful time. Like, there were no tensions. It was... Uh... Yeah, like the whole world just kind of took a breath. It was good. Yeah. It was good times. Yeah, it was a pause. Nothing yeah. happened. Not at all. No, no, not at all. Nope. Um, LBJ took office in his own right in 65 mm-hmm. after beating Goldwater in 64. Right. <laughs> which, which you know, let's let's just talk about that presidential race. Uh, the reason LBJ won was because everybody was literally afraid Goldwater was going to cause the end of the fucking world. Well, there's that. Um, also because he wrapped himself in the cloak of Kennedy's martyrdom. Well, yeah, he did yeah. put on Kennedy's bloody shirt. There's yeah. no arguing that. But Also, he, he was America's first Hispanic president. Johnson? Yeah, yeah. Uh, his name is LBJ, which is Spanish for the BJ. Okay. Yeah. I'm walking away from that rapidly now. <laughs> okay. He also named now his I'm, penis now Jumbo. Walking. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I did, unfortunately, already He know also that. had a Secret Service guy stand in front of him so he could piss on him while continuing a conversation. He literally just, stand over here, I gotta pee. And, like, he peed on the guy. And the guy was like, like, afterward, Mr. President, he's like, uh, what did he say? Prerogative of office. You're fucking kidding nope. me. Nope. If ever there was a president who most resembled Mark Antony, it would be Lyndon Baines Johnson. <laughs> like, holy shit. He, okay. Yeah, he that peed on a Secret point, Service agent because like, he didn't want to stop talking to a guy to go pee. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, I so. He stepped out of the Oval Office to do it, right? Like, he didn't, like piss on the guy on the rug no i don't think it was in the oval office i want to say it was like okay. it was in a hallway somewhere which is worse oh yeah <laughs> that's great oh have you ever heard the, have you ever heard the presidential tape of him calling uh the tailors um to ask them for no. oh my god it's so good uh he burps mid-word um but he basically he's like you know i i really liked your pants and uh i was hoping that you could take about two and two or three inches out of, out of the inseam uh, where my nutsack hangs, uh, and then uh, take take another inch away from my bunghole. <laughs> this is a president. It's in the presidential library. Oh my god! Oh, it's, oh it's my. a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful so, thing. So, so what we're saying, we're, what we're saying here is, Lyndon Baines Johnson was the first trailer park president of the United States. Oh no, that would be uh, William Henry Harrison. He literally dragged a log cabin with him the whole way. Like he's like, I are smart. I are just like you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, I, I actually I was going to correct myself and say no, it would actually be Jackson. Um, yeah, yeah, but Jackson pretended big, big at it. Of, big big wheel of cheese day. Yeah, but he pretended uh, at it. He was rich as fuck. Like he had a castle rich, in Tennessee. Rich can't buy you class. Uh, good point. Good point. I'm just saying. That's true. But anyway. Yeah. But anyway, and that's me coming from a place of immense, you know, bougie privilege right there, saying yeah. that. Of course, uh, grandmother would be proud of me. I was about to um, say my grandmother would be proud of you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but what was what was what was going on there? You know, beyond LBJ, uh, Malcolm X was assassinated in '65. The Watts riots and the Voting Rights Act both happened in '65. Vietnam ro- basically rolled into high tide with Operation Rolling Thunder starting in 1965. Mm-hmm. 
oh shit that's where my dad was he was on a carrier <laughs> which is part of the reason that they could all be in the ready room all at the same time there you go <laughs> they're, they're, they didn't have the opportunity to be anyplace else so yeah <laughs> um operation rolling thunder started in 1965 mm-hmm. uh, and basically i mean the the real height of the anti-war movement and the civil rights movement I mean, we're, we're talking about all of this stuff happening. And, and for us living through the times we're living through right now, mm-hmm. I really think if there was any time period we could go back to and be like, yeah, okay, okay, I can see this. I mm-hmm. get this vibe. Mm-hmm. It would be 65, 66. Well, let's see, 66, you also have Arlo Guthrie's Alice's Restaurant come out. This is true. So you have this, this focus um, in 66 of of this energy of common sense versus the authority. Yes. And that's absolutely countercultural. And in many ways, Batman is answering Dragnet. Oh, shit. That's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, he really... Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, Because I know just in the last couple of years, more than once... There's a clip that's gone around of, uh, you know, Friday and uh, Colonel Potter. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I can never remember his character's name. Uh, but a much younger uh, Colonel Potter, uh, you know, having a conversation with a couple of kids who were trying to trying to start some alternative community or something and got busted for drugs or whatever it was. And and the two kids are dressed like a couple of rejects from from the cover of. Uh, like Partridge uh, Sergeant Family. Peppers. Or, okay. Or the, from, from the cover of the Sergeant Peppers album. Uh, you know, with the with the brightly colored Nehru jackets and the, right. and the striped pants or whatever. And and um uh Friday kind of goes off on him about, you know, uh you're trying to change the world, you're trying to make the world a better place. You don't understand how how lucky you are. You know, you don't see, you know, people in your right. generation, nobody has mastoid scars anymore. None of you have died of polio. Not, you know, and, and just goes down this long list of, you know, from from the boomers. Yeah. Or or from I was from gonna the say si- this actually, is silent. From the silence, yeah. From the silence Yelling at young boomers. boomers. Yeah. Yeah. About, you know, look at all this shit we did for you, you ungrateful little shit. Right. But but manages to do it in a way that's like, no, no, you want to change the world and that's awesome. But understand the world isn't as bad as you think it is. Mm-hmm. And then Batman comes along and is like, no, no, this is what you sound like. OK, silent, you know, <laughs> um, and 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 and, you know, it's it's it, it, it's it's this it's this mass response uh, kind of to that and and mm-hmm. to the. As as you pointed out in a prior episode, to the absurdity of the Cold War, mm-hmm. um, you know it it was it was the far side kind of of its time, mm-hmm. you know, I mean operating on a different level, but but it was it was it was the same kind of visceral subconscious mass reaction that that led to the show being this huge hit, and it wound up having a a profound impact on the development of the character from there. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to leave it behind and move on to talk about what happened after that. So in in '68, so mm-hmm. the 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 comic, all of a sudden the comic book started flying off the shelves because of the TV series. And the TV series made Bob Kane a millionaire. Right. And Bill Finger got fucked um, because you know 
Kane Kane had screwed him. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point of, of my of my thesis right now. So so the comics flew off the shelves for a while, and because then because the of the show, yeah, because of the show, and yeah. then the TV series died out, and then comic book sales basically immediately plummeted. And so in late 1968, DC decided, okay, no, look, we've, we've got to do something about that. Mm-hmm. And um, they wound up taking the character back to a darker tone, made him more of a detective again, mm-hmm. and consciously moved away from the silliness that had, that had dominated in the 50s and into the 60s. And so in 68... Bat might and Ace the Bat Hound disappear. Mm-hmm. They go away, and and Bat might doesn't show up again for oh forty years. Shows up again in the two thousands. Somebody somebody with with more more in depth knowledge or or more recent or more detailed research than mine might be able to tell me a, a time when he showed up again. But the next time the Bat might shows up is actually as a hallucination of a of a psychotic batman wait the bat what bat might might you did say might yeah you're not familiar with bat might i am completely unfamiliar with bat might oh no okay you're gonna learn a thing okay so um, <laughs> i'm a little worried Super- so superman uh-huh. had mr mixelplick yes and mr mixelplick is an alien from the fifth dimension right you know who who doesn't actually use magic uses you know ultra high tech from, from the fifth dimension to right, do stuff. Right. That, you know, right. And Mixelplick is a bad guy. Right. Okay, Mixelplick shows up and he's, he's objectively here to cause trouble. He mm-hmm. wants to get in Superman's way. He wants to, yeah, he, he's an agent of chaos. Mm-hmm. Bat might is Batman's answer to Mr. Mixelplick because it's DC comics. So they exist in the same continuity. Right. And the difference is bat might, uh, shows up as a little childlike looking man in an ill-fitting Batman costume. And he is Batman's biggest fan. Okay. And he wants to help. Jesus Christ, there's a character like that in Marvel in the 90s called Hindsight Lad who basically blackmails he... the new warriors into letting him be a part of them. And then when Civil yeah. War happens, he releases all their names to the public. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That might doesn't ever actually wind up becoming a snitch, but um, mm-hmm. he's he's he is no no let me help and imagine a really well meaning four year old right with yeah like fifth dimensional technology yeah. who doesn't really know how shit works trying to help. Oh Jesus! This is like um oh God Zazu Kazu. The, the guy who uh, was bothering both George Jetson and Fred Flintstone. Yes. Kazoo. That's a great Zazu. Yeah. Yeah. Zazu? Kazoo. I think Zazu. it was. I think it was. I think it was, I think it was Kazoo because Zazu is the oh, name oh. of the uh, bird in in uh, Lion King. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. It's yeah, Kazoo. Yeah. yeah. Kazoo. Yeah, yeah. Kazoo. Great Kazoo or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of a yeah. thing at that time. It, oddly, yeah. yes. Yeah. I do okay. I do remember because there was a serious, uh, like serious-ish one where Batmite showed up, and they like it was kind of an around the world in eighty days thing, and he ended up in yeah. a coma um, when they like passed over um, the the outback, and he was left there, 
Um, and and then the next time you saw him, he was on bread. He was Vegemite. Nice. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. Well done. No, uh, he wanted to uh, showing up again uh, in a in a run uh, sometime back. God, I'm trying to remember when in the 2000s it was uh, when um, uh, Bruce Wayne has a psychotic break. Oh, I can tell you that's probably the uh, mid 2000s because uh, from probably 05 to 09, somewhere in there, largely because um, dissociative disorder is huge in video games, like during that four year span. It's enormous. Uh, yeah, good point. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to look it up again because it wasn't it wasn't part of the scope of my of my study, but I remember seeing a few of the comics at the time. Yeah. Uh, and and um, through because of you know extensive uh, you know rapid rapid fire uh, revelations of betrayal one after the other mm-hmm. and trauma and a bunch of other stuff um, and and overt manipulation by the Black Mask Society, uh, Bruce Wayne winds up having a psychotic break and becomes the Batman of Zur NR, some alternate dimension, alternate world. Okay. And, and Batmite shows up as the embodiment of the part of him that is still sane. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, it's a weird, it, oh, yeah. I get it. Inner child it's, it's stuff. It's, it's just, there's all kinds yeah, of, but, yeah. You know, okay. Just speaking as a fan, mm-hmm. I, 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 I hated the series. Like, it was just like you know, yeah. okay, look, um, if Batman is the one guy in the DC universe, you don't want to give a, a, uh, lantern core ring to mm-hmm. because he's too fucking powerful. Right. Because, because, because of a lantern core ring, we've talked about this in an earlier episode, a lantern core ring is powered by willpower. Right. And you give one to Bruce Wayne, and like he just decides, no, no, the Green Lantern Corps is inherently corrupt, and I'm going to do what I'm going to fucking do, and you can't stop me. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And and then and then they can't. Well, it's um, it's this you know is... you take you take that character, and then you give him a psychotic break, and I'm like, okay, which is it, man? Like, right, pick one. Right. On. Well, I mean, it's you kind of run out of places to explore with him unless you go into the mind. Well, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I get that. I mean, so, I, I understand. I understand from a, oh my god, we, we got to write another issue this month. What the fuck are we gonna do? I mean, I get that, but as a fan, I was just really disappointed. I was just speaking um, in terms of cumulative head trauma. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. How many times is it getting punched in the face? Yeah, like, I mean, know, it's gonna break. Think, think about the fight against Bane. Bane's got to weigh what five hundred pounds of solid fucking muscle. Yeah, like, yeah. He he fought the mountain. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So all right, so been, and it's been in several fist fights with Superman too. Yeah, like you know. So like, okay, so it's it's the sixties. So anyway, Batman gets so anyway, dark 60, in sixty eight or so. 60, 60, 68, 69. Mm-hmm. and then uh, we see uh, Rachel Ghoul show up for the first time in the seventies. Oh, okay, and they and they made oh, a wow. conscious effort in the seventies mm-hmm. and and into the early eighties to take the character back to no no he is a detective we're going to do darker themed stories you know uh, the whole introduction arc of Rachel Ghoul is uh, remarkably grim well and it's uh, Eastern mysticism and yeah in the early seventies you see a lot of that as we spoke about in your Jedi. Uh, episode lucas got the jedi wrong but also in 
if you look at any Marvel comics, you see a lot of um, psychedelia and you see a lot of Eastern mysticism where you find the only white person in all of Asia. It turns out he's the best mystic. So, <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, mighty whitey syndrome. Right. Is, is a thing. So. So then we, we see this this mm-hmm. uh, return of the character kind of to his roots. Mm hmm in that way in the, in the seventies into the eighties. And we see, uh, Dick Grayson leaves, goes off to college, starts his career as Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Jason Todd shows up. Hmm. And Jason Todd is angry. He's, you know, uh, abandoned ex foster kid, you know, right. who Batman catches when he's trying to, you know, steal the tires off the Batmobile. Basically short round, but for Batman, Kind of, yeah. yeah. And, it, and, we call and, that shoehorning, right? Like when you shoehorn a character yeah. in. Yeah. Although with yeah. someone yeah. Jason Todd size, I guess you'd crowbar them in. You'd, or you crowbar them out. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Like, Sorry. Like, wow, man. <laughs> um, so, so... But but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's important that you, that you do bring that up, you know, because because here, you know, when when, you know, Dick Grayson showed up and he was an acrobat and, you know, a member of this family of very talented people who were victims of crime and all this, mm-hmm. Jason Todd shows up and now they've introduced a sidekick for Batman who is literally a, a street level, you know, criminal, He's right, a desperate right. kid off of the streets who's now being, being, you know, brought in by, by Bruce Wayne. And there's all this tension about that and, you know, and, and they, and they really delve into, you know what? What the what the kind of kind of anger that drives a character like Jason Todd is right—the anger and of the so, youth. Yeah, and, in and the eighties, so yeah, and yeah, and and so it's a it's a very it's a very different evolution mm-hmm. of that relationship. Um, and they and they spent uh, a lot of time mm-hmm. in in the seventies into the eighties with. You know, Dick Grayson showing up as Nightwing and the tension between him and Jason Todd, the tension between Dick oh, Grayson wow. and Bruce Wayne with the, well, you know, now I'm an adult. I got to go out and I got to do my own thing and I'm going to have my own life and I'm my own man. I'm not Batman kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, Nightwing went on to be, you know, mimetically dated like every female superhero in the DC universe. He's a mimetic sex god. You know, like, sure. it's it's a thing which, you know more power to him and them, you know, whatever. Well, if it's based on Burt um, Ward's character, apparently that's, you know, I'll get into that when I talk about the movies. Not entirely wrong. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, but, uh, and, and who knows, it might be in a very meta kind of move by the writers, but so they, 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 they darken these things down. They bring in these kind of gritty kind of real world elements, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know, I mean, at, at the same time they're doing that, um, I want to say it's Warner Brothers was doing the cartoon series for the Justice League for mm-hmm. Super Friends mm-hmm. for Saturday mornings. And, and so we kind of have these, these two different visions of the character going on at once. In the comics, he's turning, he's going back to his roots and becoming this, this darker, grittier, more detective character. On television, the one incarnation of the character now at that point is either the re- well, the two are the reruns from the '66 series, right? And and the cartoon which you mentioned before, right? You know, and and that's a much much fluffier, much kind of campier 
uh, uh, version of the character. And so we have these two kind of images fighting for dominance in, in the public view. Are they really aimed at the same audience, though? I mean, it sounds like, in many ways, comics grew up with their audience members and then couldn't figure out how to get kids, and that was the problem because adults stopped spending money on those. Whereas uh, the TV, um, you could tell by the commercials who they're advertising to, Um, and those are still aimed at the kids. So I'm wondering if there's two different audiences going on there. I think there are definitely two different audiences I, I think I think that's a meaningful point. I mm-hmm. but 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 the character of Batman in the public consciousness mm-hmm. is now kind of kind of fracturing along these lines. This is kind of the point I'm trying to make. Okay. And and this and I'm, and I'm pointing this out because it's going to lead. I'm, I'm teeing you up for when you talk about the movies. Oh yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the identity of the character is now is now starting to diverge. You have one version of the character, one mythos of the character. Mm-hmm. That is that is very much directly descended from the TV series, and you have another one that is responding to the TV series by going not only back to the character's roots, but doubling down mm-hmm. on some of those issues, and and then thinking like like beginning in the '80s to kind of start looking into what what does this actually mean for this guy's psyche. Well, also you have like, a re- you know, relaxing of the CCA as well. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. I mean, well, it, that, it's that it's helped. yeah that helped all of this along immensely. Yeah. So then in 1986, mm-hmm. um, Frank Miller comes on board with DC. Now, uh, Frank Miller first became well known to comic book readers for Daredevil, mm-hmm. which is a Marvel, which of course is Marvel. Um, you've you've read that meme, right? Like, uh, so help one? me God, if somebody were to tell me 20 years ago that there's one guy who's really, really rich and goes around doing whatever he wants acrobatically, and there's another guy whose power is sonar and uh, attacks people at night, <laughs> and you told me the rich guy was named Batman and the other guy was called yes. uh, Daredevil, Daredevil, I would have punched you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I, I, needed, I needed to hear the setup before I remembered it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's true. Yeah, like. Wait, <laughs> you can thank Bob Kane, ladies and gentlemen. So, right. um, so, uh, so we have we have you know Frank Miller shows up mm-hmm. writing in in 1986, and I think um, at this point we're we're looking at, at there's there's we're we're gonna have to spend some time talking about him, and I know we're getting up toward our our kind of our our you know, end of end of episode kind of kind of timeline. Yeah. But what I think is important is because we're going to go from me talking about the comics to you talking about the films, mm-hmm. and it's going to be really important, I think, for the context of the movies, which which start out in the '90s, that that we we hear in in some more detail about what exactly it is that Frank Miller means to the continuity and the evolution of the character. Oh, absolutely. I think he's a watershed and I think we need to do a Frank Miller episode. Um would you agree? Um I I I think at some point we do. No, I, I mean we'll, as like the next chapter of the comic book discussion is okay, Frank yeah, well, Miller and beyond almost like but yeah, like yeah, starting Miller it with him. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, start definitely starting with him. I, I I I know that we could certainly do if if I had had enough time to do j- 
true justice to the research, we could spend an entire episode just talking about Frank Miller's work and then go into everything after that. Sure. Um, but I think definitely it's it's worth uh, starting the next episode with him for sure. Okay. Well, yeah, let's do that. I mean, we're we're still broad brushing right. what seventy plus. Yeah. How what thirty eight till now, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so thirty eight till so eighteen is seventy years. It's, uh, eighty. Eighty. Eighty years. Yeah. We are further from Batman than Batman was from the Eiffel Tower. Yes, that was a point <laughs> you brought up last. Yeah. Episode. Oh wow. Yeah. Hot yeah. diggity. Oh, man. Yeah, no, it's nuts. Yeah. That is nuts. All right. Well, All right. okay. Um, so do you do you have so anything? Other, other than that chronological yeah. time bomb or, or brain bomb, what, what do you what do you take away from, from what we've talked about so far? Uh, I, I wish we'd gotten a little bit more into the counterculture aspects of it, quite honestly, because there was so much happening on TV for the first time. Number one, it was yeah. in color. Um, number two, you've got the monkeys on TV. You've got the British pop invasion. You've got so much counter. Yeah. You know, psychedelia is certainly there in the the late sixties. Um, but there's so much counterculture going on there. And I love, I would have loved to have nestled more into that with, with the Batman stuff. Um, I genuinely think there's a whole episode in that at some point in the future. Almost. I genuinely think we could, we could, we could do that. Yeah, I think so. I, I yeah. would need to watch the series again because that's the kind of research I like to do. Um, yeah. But uh, but in terms of what what I pulled out of it, um, I really, you know, it, it it's so interesting how this just lines up with all the timelines that we've set forth before, in terms of the pop culture, in terms okay. of the '50s is a time of great conformity, and you need to sanitize everything from Bugs Bunny. Um, to, to, you know, sex on TV kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. and to the point where like no married couple has the same bed anymore, you know, uh, which yeah. talk about a rich people flex in the weirdest goddamn way. In the, in the, in the most bizarre. Oh my God. Way. But, yeah. <laughs> but, um, it, it, uh, like, so the 50 sanitization with the CCA, which was in 54, like you said, um, and you have all of that and the fetishization of kids and at the same time sanitizing everything that they've got. And mm-hmm. then and the fear of them. Yeah. And then into the sixties, you get this rubber banding effect, but it's almost like this sweet rebellion because yeah. it's boomers who absolutely want to test the boundaries, but they absolutely want the material wealth that their parents had, had oh, gotten yeah. too. Oh, um, yeah. so, you know, yes, I want to experiment and try the pot, but I don't want to spend my life doing that. You know, I'll, I'll get the yeah. job, Dad. Don't worry. I just, you know, yeah. going to do this just, for a while. Just, just don't make me do it like right now, man. Right. But then like going, Jesus. so going into that, into the 60s, just the, the counterculture, um, I I really liked how Batman was just very much another example of that. Like we just keep adding transparencies to the top of the picture and it's yeah. just getting more and more obvious what's happening culturally at that time. Uh, especially if we, again, look into the 70s. You're, you're saying how it gets all darker. And I'm like, well, shit, yeah, yeah. people are on barbiturates. Like, <laughs> it's, you know. And the reason they're, they're on barbiturates they're is because the world is getting darker. Like, because, all that because, shit's happening. Because there's, there's multiple energy crises. Yeah. There's Watergate. There's, like, yeah. But more importantly, there's a toppling of white dominance of the culture. And people don't know how to handle it. And, I mean, that's really there. 
Um, because that's when you start to see a lot of your superheroes of color and your, your women and your psychedelia, because that's a destabilizing reality. And I do like that Batman is absolutely just right in line with all of that. And of course, you know, looking back, it's like, well, of course he was like, yeah, of course he was. But, but at the same time, it's, it's that, that I really took away from it is just more reinforcement of, of those themes. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and again, it's, it's. You know all of the, all of the ways that you never realized at the time that mm-hmm. something was reflecting greater social forces, yes. larger social forces. Now, having said that, I want to ask yeah. you, and and I will absolutely back off of this point. Are you going to okay. deal with the death of Jason Todd in the next episode? Um, we we can certainly talk about it. Okay. Yes, it's it's not explicitly in my notes right now, but I okay. think it's it's worth it's worth talking about for Be- sure. Because I think the fact that people called in to vote one way or the other on his death, and he gets killed, yeah. is yeah. really really indicative of how fucked up we were in the eighties. Oh yeah, <laughs> like how dark oh. we got. It's like oh okay, yeah. let's kill a child. Oh, yeah. You know, you're like ah, so. But but yeah. people would have to pay money to do it too. Like there's an extra layer to that because it was oh, a 900 yeah. number. No, like, yeah. <laughs> it's just oh, what a stunning indictment. So yeah, that's yeah. that's what I took away from it. And All I right. bet you I can predict the 90s and the 2000s what'll become of of the comic because of what I know of those eras. So all right, yeah. yeah. So so I'm I'm going to tell you now. Okay. Uh, we're not going to get into the 2000s totally because fine. by the time the 2000s, by the two, by the time the 2000s come around, we're getting way too close to the new 52, right? And the rebirth and all the stuff DC did after that, and right. it just my ability to follow the comics kind of fell apart. So we're well, we're we're getting in, we're going to get into the 1990s and cool. and tee things up for discussion of the movies, which okay. we're going to kind of pick up chronologically from. Oh, there. absolutely, absolutely. But I I will say then what you just said about it because I I do remember hearing about that. There is a huge fracturing of everything culturally um, oh, in yeah. the early 2000s, and I think part of it had to do with broadband internet and the explosion of uh, cable services. Um, yeah. Suddenly everything becomes niche and now you've got a hundred different kinds of Batman and that's okay. Cause they're all trying to yeah. gobble the same dollars. Um, but I think that that's absolutely fitting for, for Batman in the two thousands. Yeah. So, oh yeah. All right. Well, uh, so what would you recommend we read, <laughs> uh, this time um, around? I'm, I'm okay. Right now, uh, the recommendation I'm going to read is actually something we're going to start talking about, uh, at the beginning of the next episode. And I, I would recommend everybody, uh, find a way to get a hold of uh, Batman Year One. Okay. Which is which is Frank Miller uh, in eighty seven published in eighty seven eighty eight, um, and we'll get into kind of kind of its its influence, um, but it's I think I think for an understanding of the modern Batman, I think it's it's almost required reading. Okay. And that's one I've not read. So, all right. Well, um, let's see. Okay. I I don't really have much to recommend as far as reading goes. I I'm still deep into the Star Wars Yuuzhan Vong series. All um, right. You know, Christy Golden said that she just finished uh, the. Uh, she's an author of Star Wars books quite often, mm-hmm. as well as um, World of Warcraft books. Um, and oh. I have a fun little story about that sometime. I'll tell you, but. Um, she just said that she just finished writing a book about General Veers, um, 
And I thought that was, yeah, I was like, oh, that, that might be worth checking out. That could be, yeah. So, but, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't have much to recommend. So Batman year one, I think I'll, I'll just second that not having read it. Okay. So, all right. Well, uh, where can people find you on the social medias? They can find me on the social medias. Um, thank you, Squirrely Dan at, um, uh, E.H. Blaylock on Twitter and uh, E.H. Blaylock also on um, TikTok and Mr. Blaylock on uh, Instagram. And they can, of course, find both of us if you want to holler at both of us simultaneously about a continuity error I've made in talking about the history of Batman and his villains. Uh, you can get a hold of us at Geek History Time on Twitter. And if they want to take uh, deserved offense at any of your uh, manglings of the English language, Mr. Harmony, where can they get a hold of you? Uh, you can find me out in these streets. No, uh, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Cash me outside. Right, uh, but wear a mask and six yeah, feet well, away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah. Use, a, use a staff because exactly. six feet. Exactly. Uh, no, you can you can find me uh, on the Twitter and on the Instagram at uh, Duh Harmony. That's two H's in the middle, um, and you are welcome to correct me on my discussion of LBJ peeing on a Secret Service agent. Uh, it could be I compressed I still things. Can't believe that. Oh yeah, but I know it happened. I I, I, I mean I understand. Yeah. I totally can believe it. Yeah, <laughs> but like like I I had not had any idea. And oh yeah. my god. Yeah. So okay. All right. Um, but yeah, you feel free to find us there. Um, I do want to point out one thing before we go. Let's make sure that I can pull it up, though, because otherwise I'll just point it. Okay. Um, uh, I can just bring it up on the next one. Um, that was not it. Here we go. Uh, we have a retraction that we need to do. Oh, yes. Uh, so I, I will tell you the retraction uh in our deep space nine episode which uh literally is aired like i think last week we erroneously mixed up herman cain and ben carson uh herman cain is the former godfather ceo whom trump attempted to put on the federal reserve board a position for which he was horribly unqualified uh he has since died of covid after mocking the disease Ben Carson yeah. is a brilliant neurosurgeon who believes the pyramids were made for grain silos and who is the current HUD secretary, a position for which he is horribly unqualified. Yes. I mixed them up, and I'm sorry. Uh, there's no reason that I should have. Uh, thanks to Brian Williams, uh, that was brought to our attention. Um, Brian Williams can be found on Twitter as at Profession Hench. It's like professional henchman, yes. but you had to abbreviate. Yes. So thank you, Brian, for uh, bringing that up for us. Um, and I am sorry that I mixed them up. I had no business mixing them up, but uh, the the rogues gallery of unqualified uh, Trump individuals in the, yeah. in the in the Trump uh, uh, administration. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, but yeah, all it's the a same, rotating, it's a rotating set of targets. But yes, yeah. we should have been paying more attention to that. And of course, uh, that being a mistake made by a couple of white guys about. Uh, mixing up a couple of uh, black gentlemen, yeah, uh, successful African American gentlemen. So. Yeah, un- unfortunate and and yeah, we're yeah. we're very very sorry about that. So thank you, Brian, for pointing it out. And if you want to find Brian and thank him as well, it's at Profession Hench. So here we go for Geek History of Time. Uh, I am Damian Harmony, and I'm Ed Blaylock. And next time, find us on the same bat time. 
and the same bat channel.